0: On the back of your program, there's a very, very important thing, and it tells you kind of where we're going in the I Am David series, but it also doesn't tell you some things, and I'm going to tell you the secret things you can't see there. There, there are five spaces that you can't see in the back of your program, and those are weeks I'm going to be sharing with Pastor Chris, and he's going to be coming and sharing with you. Uh, that's going to be coming up here shortly. And he might try to follow my series, probably not, because people have a hard time following me, because you never know what's going to happen, and I'm kind of a, that's the way I am. So, anyway, be aware of that, but as we continue this, I am David, we're talking about truths about Greatness. Everyone has within them a seed of greatness that God has placed there. And you'll, you'll say, well, I don't know that I'm meant to be a king, or I'm meant to be... Well, but the thing is, what is greatness? Well, greatness is us doing what God created us to do. Fulfilling our purpose. Fulfilling our design purpose. Um, you know, we, when we did the gifts series, and we talked about the fact that all of us, all of us, spiritual or not spiritual, have certain gifts and eight gifts that god gives us and when you're when you're in that flow if you will there's something divine about it there's something wonderful about it Uh, psalms 139 says i will praise you because i'm fearfully and wonderfully made your works are wonderful i know that full well every person has god placed seeds of greatness we also know every person is fallible Aren't you grateful f- to know that? That every person, that includes me. What if I'd opened the notes from last week? That's been known to happen. Especially when I used to do everything in paper. You know, I'd grab the wrong set out of the Bible and be about ten minutes in and go, I think I've already done this. <laughs> The Bible says everyone, Romans 3, everyone sinned. And we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Would you also agree with me on the third thing, that every one of us faces obstacles and setbacks? We do. We, every person faces those things. I didn't share this verse last week, but Ezekiel 3 says, if righteous people turn away from their righteous behavior, and look what it says, and ignore the obstacles I put in their way. Do you mean some of our obstacles could have a God origin? They do, according to this verse. If righteous people turn away from righteous behavior, and what do they do? Ignore obstacles I put in the way, they will die. Wow. And if you do not warn them, they will die in their sins. None of their righteous acts will be remembered, and I will hold you responsible for the deaths. As a pastor, this verse always has bothered me. But if you warn righteous people not to sin, and they listen to you and do not sin, they will live. All of us have feet of clay. We're fallible. All of us face obstacles. All of us face setbacks. Which led us to understand last week that the first truth about greatness is greatness is achieved on a battlefield. Greatness is achieved on the battlefield. Greatness on the battlefield is doing what God has called you to do with your life. Your greatness is found when you're engaged in serving God, engaged in doing things God has called you to do. If you want to be great, you fulfill your design purpose. We talked last week about David and how David was found great on the battlefield. What's the story we looked at briefly? David and Goliath. But we also talked about David and a lion and David and a bear. And we talked about the fact that David, whenever he was in the battlefield, was discovering his design purpose as David the warrior, and he was achieving greatness. But he also had a devastating fall from greatness. A devastating fall. Because he stayed home. He stayed home. We talked about why did he stay home. We said, well, maybe he deserved it. Maybe he was retired. Maybe he anticipated the opportunity. He'd been studying. Hmm, springtime, Bathsheba shows up. Maybe it was he was fearful, but we do know this, and we concluded this last week: that David's rise to greatness stopped the minute he withdrew from the battlefield. That's when his problems began. Do you hear what I'm saying? When you withdraw from the battlefield, you're saying, "When I stop striving." to fulfill my design purpose. I didn't focus on this last week because I was too inspired by my one line, but I want, <laughs> I want to share Second Samuel 11. In the spring of the year when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite armies to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed, and it says they destroyed. But what did he do? He stayed in Jerusalem. Why do the kings go out to fight in the spring of the year? I didn't share this last week. I'll share it today. This was an agrarian society. This is a society that's based on Agriculture. And so if you're going to be successful in growing things, you want to have the most land you can have to plant your crops. And many of the landmarks that establish boundaries would move in the winter. Look at what some of the boundaries, read, read the scripture, it says, and go down there by the rock next to that the tree with the fork in it. Well, maybe a storm blew that baby over. That's why in the springtime the kings went out to war. It's to reestablish the boundaries against their enemies. I hope you're spiritualizing this. As Christians, I urged you last week to defend your families and to contend for them. To contend for the areas The livable space in your life that God has ordained. Why? Because the adversary comes in and wants to cramp you. Are you hearing me? He wants to cramp you. And so when it's wartime, the reason, regardless of our age, regardless of our experience, the reason we have to engage in the battle is to keep the livable space that God has established for you. I do not want Satan encroaching on my family, on my grandchildren, on my place of work. You'll say, you work for the state. Yeah, I do. I can't take care of the whole state, but I can take care of my little office. And I can take care of my team. And I don't want them to be encroached upon. You'll say, well, they're not spiritual. Well, some of our are. Some, some are actually started watching me when they found out I do this for fun. But I want my team to have livable space. I don't want the adversary to cramp our ability to do what we're called to do. It was the spring of the year. Why is it important? Some of us feel like I need to give up because it's just a never-ending battle. But battles have seasons, and God will never call you into a longer warfare than he gives you the strength to stand through. David's rise to greatness stopped the minute he withdrew from the battlefield. So I submit to you this morning, the only way to greatness is in the battle. The only way to greatness is is in the battle. It's your destiny. It is your destiny. It's where you discover who you are. No one avoids the battle. Here's your choice. You can be a warrior, or you can be a captive. There's no neutral observers in a spiritual battle. Either you're in it, to win it, or you're captive. I believe someone I know said something recently that said, you're going to fight, but you're going to win, but you're going to fight. You're not going to win if you don't fight. It is your destiny. It's where you discover who you are. You can't avoid it. You choose, am I going to be a warrior or a captive? How do I know it's the destiny? Well, look at Jeremiah 29. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Read the context of that. They're all going around, oh, it's going to be this and it's going to be that, and naysaying, and all of this kind of thing. And, and and they're telling God, this is how it's going to turn out. They're telling God, this is what's going to come. Do you hear what I'm saying? They're telling God, this is how it's going to be. And he goes, don't tell me how it's going to be. That's what that verse says. What it says is, don't tell me what I have planned for you. I know what I have planned for you. And you're wrong. My plans are for good. You thought you knew what I had planned. You're wrong. That's this verse. We've quoted it for years. Look at the context of it. You'll understand. They're telling God, it's going to be this, it's going to be that, oh, it's going to be horrible. And He says, wait a minute, don't you tell me. Are you hearing me? there are plans for good not you keep telling me that i have plans for disaster for you no i have plans for good for you to quote the director of apollo an apollo 13 when they said this could be our worst disaster he said no sir this could be our finest hour COVID, for many people, said this is going to destroy the church. I submit to you that if we rise up and fight as Jesus Christ inspires us to fight, this is going to be the church's finest hour. It's when we're going to have a chance not to just be a group of people in a room, but a people that have an impact in a culture, in a society that is so negative, that is so hopeless, and you have in your heart the hope of the world. People ask me all the time, Mark, aren't you afraid? No. I get on planes and fly. And in the midst of all this pandemic, I get on planes and fly. I'm not afraid. I'm not stupid. But I believe the person of God is indestructible till God's done with him. If, you know, I'm not afraid. The other thing I did is, and we heard it again this morning. I turned off the TV because TV's built on fear. We want you to be afraid. The numbers are this number. No, 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 no. Where is my hope and faith placed? Not in CNN, or certainly not the CDC. This this is better than your respondent. I'm sorry, but do, do you hear what I'm saying? If we believe that this verse is true, that God has plans for us, and they're for our good, they're for our blessing, they're for our benefit, and they're for us to bless the culture in which we are in, do you not think he'll give us the strength to fight the battle and win the battle in our personal lives and in our family and in our work and in our culture and in our world? That's what it's about. No one avoids the battle. It's in your DNA. Genesis 1, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. That's the first directive. Look at the context. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. Good, image, likeness, okay, here's what you get. First job, subdue it, rule over it and be fruitful be an image bearer of god to your kids the verse that dale read to us this morning from revelation tells us that one of our destinies that he's made us kings and priests it's in our dna to be in the battle do you know in the battle your gifts come to light and they come to life Some people don't know really what their gifts are until their back's against the wall. And they discover something they didn't know about themselves. You'll get a kick out of this because it's a true story. I'm 22 years old, I'm a youth pastor, it's church. It's real church, which means the youth pastor gets to get up and do the, hi, thanks for being here today. And that's about all they give you. (laughs) And that church, we didn't even stay on the stage. We went and sat right here. I didn't know I was going to be a gifted teacher. I had no idea. I didn't know that's what I was going to be, become my destiny. I didn't have any idea. But I do know on one Sunday morning, as the pastor, the senior pastor, the real pastor, preached, he looked down at me and said, this is back in the days when we had Sunday night service. Thank God we were delivered from that. But anyway... (laughs) He looked down. I was sitting right there. You'll love it, Greg. He he looks down at me and says, come back tonight and hear Pastor Mark continue this message. Continue the message. I thought you just ended the message. So as our custom, we went to Sunday lunch, went home, put the kids down, Jill took her nap, and I got out a legal pad and a Young's Exhaustive Concordance and started writing notes. And in those days, that's how I spoke. And after some weeks and some months of every Sunday night... The pastor looked at me one Sunday night and said, Mark did better on this this week than I did, so next week he'll be in the morning. (laughs) And you thought that was scary for me. It wasn't. I had a week's notice. (laughs) You'll say, well, Mark, that wasn't for you a battle. No, you weren't there the first time I preached which was some years before. I know the people in the front row enjoyed it. They're the only ones that heard. People in the back, speak up, we can't hear you. They said that in church. The poor sound man, Luke, was my sound man. He was back there and he he had me on the edge of The only people that heard me speak, I was terrified. They were people, they were looking at me. Hello? Yeah. And they heard me. Right, the people here. Only people that heard me. I held this for a prop. Because it wasn't helping project my voice. I spoke like this. I was terrified. I had to overcome something. A fear. What was the fear? Public speaking. No, 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 no. Rejection. That was my battle. And to get up in front of everybody and display your soul means you could be rejected. Guess what I found in that battle? That my gifts came to light. And guess what else? They came to life. Romans 11, for God's gift and his call can never be withdrawn. Romans 12, in his grace God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. I submit to you third that it's a place, the battleground, the battlefield, it's the only place you can succeed. It's the only place you can succeed. I am glad that every Sunday night I got up and I prayed many, many a Sunday. God, if you don't show up tonight, I'm not going. And I'd think, oh, please, Jesus, show up in the worship time. Let there be a move and let the pastor say, you know, I feel we should invite everybody down to the altar and pray. And How many need to be baptized in the Spirit? And who needs healing? And who has an ingrown toenail? And, uh, oh, it's time to go. Sorry, more. I was praying that that would happen. <laughs> it is the only place you can succeed. But you only get there if you get in the battle. Get this next point. David's rooftop problem wasn't a temptation problem. David's rooftop problem wasn't a temptation problem. It was a location problem. Do you see that situation wouldn't have happened if he'd have been in the battle? It happened because he was on the roof. Your problems with worldliness, your problems with lust, your problems with fear can't be cast out on the rooftop if you've chosen to retire there. They can only be solved on the battlefield. You say, well, Mark, that's nice. I'm not David, and where's my battlefield? I'm going to tell you where it is right now. We must engage in a thought battlefield. Second Corinthians, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We put on God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Do you know, you know what a stronghold is? It's a house of thoughts. It's a house of thoughts. When you see something and you think a certain way, and when you see that again, you think the same way, that is a stronghold. It's a house of thoughts. That's the definition of insanity. Engage in the same behavior and expect a different outcome. Knock down the strongholds of human reasoning. Human reasoning says, oh, COVID's coming back. We're going back into all of this. It's time to be afraid again. I say to you, no, it isn't. That's human reasoning. I I feel sorry for politicians. I feel sorry for them because frankly they don't know what to do. So put your mask back on and stay at home. Maybe that'll solve it. It didn't work last time, but let's try it again. Huh? Now I'm not I'm not picking on you know I'm using that as an illustration of the battles that all of us have. You struggle with a with an issue in your life. Ignoring it isn't going to make it go away. You've got to take it on and look at the root thought that's behind it. If you have an addictive behavior, how do you defeat it? Well, you don't ignore it. You have to define what is the root thought behind that behavior. Because when you change the thinking, guess what it changes? Your action. How many of you have been like me? I used to come, remember Sunday night as a teenager, we always had to come to the altar. That was the closer. We had had kneeling benches. I don't know if I went up there because the good-looking teenage girls went up there or if I went to pray. I'm not really sure. I've never really figured out my motive. But, But that was supposed to be funny. It fell flat. But I, every week, confess the same things. And sometimes real tears, please save me. And by Tuesday at school, dear God, please get me to Sunday night so I can confess again and be okay because I don't want to go to hell. Well now we're adults and we're not like that anymore but some of us still have things that are hanging on us and we've given up fighting them. Not in my notes. Last week my not in notes stuff was very inspiring. Not so good today. Please hear what I'm saying. You can't give up the fight and the battleground in these personal things is in your mind we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God we capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ and after you've become fully obedient, we punish everyone who remains disobedient. This is not talking about people. This is talking about thoughts and spiritual battles. I like what one version says. We, take every, we bring every thought captive to spear point. What's the spear? It's the word of God. I'm getting into a sermon that I'm doing three weeks from now, and I've already written the notes. Sorry about that. Psalms 1 says, Oh, the joys of those who don't follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with the mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord. What? Meditating on it day and night. Where does that happen? In the mind. They're like trees planted along the riverbank bearing fruit Each season, their leaves never wither and they prosper in whatever they do. The only lasting answer over any personal struggle, the sin of comparison, lust, pornography, insecurity, doubt, fear, is to war for your thoughts and win. No charge for what I'm going to say. Many of us have lived life If a thought comes in, we think, oh, it's random, I just have to accept it. No, you don't. A thought comes in, you check it against the word of God. Does that line up with what Jesus would say about me? It does not. Scripture says that he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. So if I have a condemning thought that says, how in the world do you get up in front of people with all the lousy, filthy rags of your life and blah, 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 blah. I am the righteousness of God. That's what it says about me. You're defeated. How dare you get up in front of a church and challenge them to live? No, 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 I've been made more than conquerors through him who loves me. Don't take those things lying down. Get in the battle. Get in the war for your thoughts and win. Beyond ourselves, this battle stretches into our marriages, into families, into our workplace, into our community, into the nation. Which leads me to the next point. A real warrior doesn't fight for himself, he fights for others. You see, you get to determine, you get to decide, if you will, the rest of your life's direction. You get to determine its focus. Are you going to live the life on the rooftop, feeding your pleasures for a season? or are you going to focus on the battlefield where you experience God's pleasure on your life? You determine the rooftop, the battlefield. Every great person ultimately chooses a battlefield, even if the battlefield is to stay on the roof. As I close, I submit to you that only the battlefield produces a truly great person Think about David as a warrior. Let me list a couple of things. David as a warrior showed incredible courage in front of Goliath when the whole nation was running. Would you agree? Would you also agree that David as a warrior demonstrated or maintained integrity? He could have killed Saul. He cut off the corner of his clothes. That's pretty close. Especially when you know that God has chosen you to be king and what's in the way? Him. Him. Do you think, think about the time that uh, David said to his men, I'd sure love some water from the well of the gate of Bethlehem. And guess what? They heard him. And three of them heard that, and they went through the Philistine lines. They got water from the well at the gate of Bethlehem. And they brought it back to David. He realized the sacrifice they had made to to fulfill, in a sense, a whim. Says he refused to drink it. He poured it out as an offering to the Lord. Because it represented the sacrifice they had made. That's David as a warrior. But let's look at David on the rooftop. David on the rooftop takes one of his soldiers' wives in adultery. David on the rooftop tries to cover his sin by deceiving the husband. David on the rooftop kills an innocent man to hide his sin. Here's what we know. Here's the lessons that we can learn. The rooftop can corrupt us, but the battlefield can restore us. Rooftop people will justify what a warrior will not. Rooftop people will do things that warriors find detestable. Rooftop people only think of themselves and their desires. But I submit to you today that the battle is the answer to the problem the rooftop produced. God is always with you on the battlefield. I'm going to submit to you he's not with you on the rooftop. It's time to enter the battle. You're a king, it's where you belong. It's the answer to the problem the rooftop produced. I know I'm throwing you a curve, Chris, because you had this answer up earlier. You must choose to contend. Resist the devil, the scripture says. He'll flee from you. Are you going to contend for God's best for your marriage? Or are you just going to live out the strength? Or call it quits? Are you going to contend to see your children experience God's best and his design potential in them? Are you going to contend for that? Because believe me, they're going to want to take shortcuts. Are you willing to contend to see your finances restored and the devourer rebuked in your life? Are you going to contend to see your business thrive? Are you going to contend to be blessed by and be a blessing at your place of employment? Truth number two. Everyone makes mistakes. That's the good news. But only great men and great women take responsibility for them and become greater through them. If nothing more out of this series circle truth to and live it and you will be successful do you see what it says everybody makes mistakes great people take responsibility for them and out of taking responsibility they become greater now listen to me in our culture anytime there's a mistake the cultural response is cover up and blame. You caught me doing something, so it was this. Look over here. If you haven't figured out that's what's going on, that's what's going on. People make mistakes, it's blame. They make mistakes, it's blame. They make mistakes, it's blame they make mistakes it's blame if you want to be great great people take responsibility for their mistakes and become greater through them you say that's nice mark where did you get that give me a verse okay I will who are we talk who are we talking about we're talking about David what did he do he committed adultery with Bathsheba had the husband killed He was confronted by the prophet of God. He could have said, well, you know, she shouldn't have been bathing, you know, right there. and You know, my 700 wives were having a mood. Look what he wrote. Have mercy on me, O God. Because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. you know when he wrote this? After he was confronted with the reality. And he says, I own it. I own it. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. For I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me, but you desire honesty from the womb, teaching me wisdom even there. Then he goes on and says, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Then he says, please create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit or a right spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. Great people are great people because they own, they take responsibility for their mistakes. And when you do that before God, when you express your vulnerability, you express your need, what does He want to do? He wants to show up in your life and show Himself strong to save. Some of you are still struggling in areas because you haven't taken this step. You're trying to fix it yourself. And he's sitting there waiting. If you just admit you can't do it, and if you just admit you need me, I'd love to show up in your circumstance, in your situation, and change who you are. And you can be great in the battlefield you're a king you're a priest it's in your DNA to fight I said it last week I'll say it again in closing you're gonna have to fight but you're gonna win but you're gonna have to fight but Mark I'm 65 years old And this has been an area I struggle in for 40 years. You can be more than a conqueror. You're going to fight. There was an area in my life that I struggled with, struggled with, struggled with. And I was preaching in front of a church, and the Lord spoke to me, I've delivered you from that now. And it was like a goosebump moment. I looked down and I was like, Wow. I know why it happened. Because I didn't give up the fight. Where's your battle? Only you know where it is. You're the only one that knows what it is. Greatness is found on the battlefield. And great people become great when they take responsibility. So Father, this morning, Father, this morning, with the illuminating flashlight of your Holy Spirit, look into our hearts and reveal to us real source of those struggles help us to see it in a way we've never seen it before help us to understand what's been driving some of our behaviors and as we see that Lord give us the grace to acknowledge it before you recognizing our weakness our frailty that we have feet of clay and as we do that we call upon you to enter our life just like David did and say creating us a clean heart O oh God Make us more than conquerors through you who loved us. Teach us your word that we can confront the thoughts that come into our mind and take them captive and not let those philosophies spoil us. Help us to fight, knowing that we're going to win. And we'll thank you for it, Lord. We'll thank you for it. I really don't know what to do right now. So I'll turn it over to the energetic pastor and see if the Lord's spoken to him.
1: Good stuff. Good stuff. It's like building in me So I've been praying, you know, Pastor Mark mentioned that in the upcoming weeks that you don't see in there. I'm going to do a couple weeks. That'll start August 22nd. I I wanted to joke and say, yes, I'm going to come up like the youth pastor and close real quick. I was actually sitting in the back. I'm going to add on and joke too. I was actually sitting in the back right now. I'm like, man, I really got to pee. I hope I'm praying, Lord, that he just closes and finishes and dismisses us because I'm on the roster to finish. Can we be truthful and, and transparent? That's what we do around here. We're, we're a family. We are a church family. I'm really excited because when I think about all this stuff, I think about shame and guilt and how shame and guilt keeps us on the rooftop. Shame and guilt keeps us on the rooftop. And I hear that prayer. I just read that this morning. Psalms 51. I, or, uh, I'm sorry. Psalms 51 is on my reading tomorrow. I finished Psalm 50 today through my journey, and I stopped at Psalm 50, and I looked at 51, and I'm like, oh, I'm excited because I love that part. And then pastor shares it today, so it leads me into confirmation on what I've been praying about that I'm going to share on. So um, I'm really excited. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, that we're here in this place. I thank you for our team, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity to be here, Lord. I thank you for the people that you've brought here, Lord. I thank you for our church, that we're a family, Lord. We're connected, Lord. We're praying in unison, Lord. We're hoping in unison, Lord. We're fighting these battles together, Lord. I don't know what everyone's battlefields are, Lord. Make it reveal to them their battlefield if they question and they wonder, you know, what is my battlefield? What area is it that you want me to fight in, Lord? Whatever that area is, I pray that we come off the rooftops before we do something stupid, okay? we got to change our location like Pastor talked about, Lord. I pray that we come off the rooftops and we get into the battlefield, whatever it is. I pray that over our people today. I pray that over each individual, man, woman, and child in this room, that you bring us off the rooftop and you put us in our battlefield. And if we're already in the battlefield, continue giving us the strength, Lord, to fight the battle. Greatness is on the battlefield. I love this. I love this message. I love our pastor. Thank you, Jesus, for our pastor. Thank you for Mark. Thank you. Thank you for this building. Thank you for this time. Thank you for this message. We'll dismiss all these people together, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just kidding. Run on out. Run on out. I know you have a need.
0: At any service, Jill and I are always available to pray. Our council is available. Sometimes we formalize it, and you'll see I ask people to stand. And if I don't do that, you can always come up and just say, I need prayer. God bless you. Have a great, great week.